This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, warned that the war in Ukraine would be a long process. Mr. Putin said his invasion had already yielded significant results and that he would not mobilize more troops. Speaking at a televised meeting, he also acknowledged that the risk of a nuclear war was growing, but insisted that Russia would only ever use nuclear weapons in response to an attack. A spokesman for America's State Department said any loose talk of nuclear weapons is absolutely irresponsible. Lawmakers in Peru voted 101 to 6 to oust Pedro Castillo as president shortly after he attempted a coup by trying to dissolve Congress. He was detained by police and replaced by his vice president, Dina Buluate. Earlier, in an attempt to evade impeachment, Mr. Castillo, an inept leftist, had said he would disband the legislature and rule by emergency decree. The EU's top court ruled that Google must remove data from its search engine results if users can prove it is manifestly inaccurate. The case before the Court of Justice of the European Union concerned two executives who wanted Google to remove search results linking them to criticism of their group's investment model. Google had initially refused to remove the content. Iran has executed the first prisoner known to be convicted for crimes related to the current nationwide protests, according to state media reports. Mohsen Shakari, described as a rioter by officials, was executed for allegedly injuring a security guard with a machete. On Monday, Iran's Revolutionary Guards called on the judiciary to issue swift judgments against those accused of crimes against the security of the nation and Islam. Sonny Belwani, the former chief operating officer of Theranos, a disgraced blood testing firm, was sentenced to nearly 13 years in prison for fraud. Theranos, a darling of California's venture capitalists, made far-fetched claims that it could deliver extensive health diagnoses using mere drops of patients' blood. The firm folded in 2018. Mr. Balwani's business partner, Elizabeth Holmes, was jailed for 11 years last month. Indiana sued TikTok for violating consumer protection laws. The American state filed two lawsuits. One alleges that the Chinese-owned social media platform exposes children to inappropriate content. The other claims that the firm did not disclose the Chinese government's potential to access consumer data. Citing the same concerns, Texas banned TikTok from government-issued devices. It follows similar directives in other Republican-run states. Britain approved its first coal mine in 30 years. The proposed site in northwest England will produce coking coal for use in steelmaking. The project's backers say there is domestic demand for the stuff, but the two firms making steel with coal in England have plans to adopt cleaner methods. Earlier, the government's climate change adviser called the plan absolutely indefensible. And fact of the day. $2,000. The price per kilogram of fine white Darjeeling tea, known as the champagne of teas. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. A cloudy forecast for Japan's economy. The world's third largest economy is not doing well. Japan's GDP shrank by an annualized 1.2% in the third quarter of 2022, according to an estimate released last month. A revision due on Thursday is expected to provide little cheer. 
Economists had predicted an expansion in the third quarter, but a surge in coronavirus infections over the summer and higher inflation caused partly by a decline in the value of the yen took a toll on the economy. But there may be sunshine ahead. The government stimulus package should soon make a difference, and the lifting of COVID-related travel curbs is expected to bring back tourists. It remains to be seen, however, if that will be enough to offset other problems, including tumbling real wages and depressed business confidence. Even if domestic demand recovers, Japan's economy will be hurt by a global recession. Disney tries to make streaming pay. By one measure, Disney is a big success in streaming. In just three years, its Disney Plus service has signed up 164 million members. The company has 236 million active subscriptions to Disney Plus and its other streaming platforms, Hulu and ESPN Plus. That is even more than Netflix, until recently the market leader. The only snag is that the business bleeds money. Last quarter, Disney lost $1.5 billion on streaming, more than twice as much as in the same quarter last year. That hastened the sacking of its chief executive, Bob Chappick, on November 20th. On Thursday, Disney will put into practice its new plan for restoring profitability. Disney Plus in America will be punctuated by advertising for the first time. Viewers will have to pay $10.99 a month, 38% more than the current ad-free subscription price, to avoid ads. They may moan, but with Netflix launching ads last month, there is no escape. Streamers are determined to make the business pay. Wirecard's former bosses go on trial. Two and a half years ago, Wirecard collapsed into bankruptcy after admitting that the 1.9 billion euro, $2 billion, the company was meant to have stored away in offshore escrow accounts, probably did not exist. On Thursday, Marcus Braun, the payment processing firm's Austrian former chief executive, and two other leaders will begin to stand trial at a court in Munich. Several key suspects will not be present. Jan Marsalek, the firm's COO, is on the run. The trial for fraud at a company once seen as a star of Germany's tech sector is expected to last more than a year. After an investigation that lasted more than 20 months, prosecutors allege that Mr. Braun and his accomplices stole more than 225 million euro of wire card funds, mainly through fake loans and doctored accounts, to dupe banks and other creditors. He has denied any knowledge of manipulated accounts. They are charged with fraud, accounting irregularities, and embezzlement on a large scale. Just reading out all the charges will take around five hours. Times of Trouble for the News Sixty years ago on Thursday, hundreds of printers stopped operating their machines at the New York Times and went on strike. The number of strikers eventually swelled to 17,000, including reporters, photo engravers, and elevator operators from seven daily papers in New York. The walkout lasted 114 days 
and killed four papers. On Thursday, a similar coalition of 1,100 Times employees planned to walk off the job at midnight. The strikers hope a 24-hour stoppage will secure them higher wages. It comes at a difficult time for American media organizations, many of which are shedding staff in anticipation of an economic downturn, though The Times continues to report substantial profits. The Times, which has more paying digital subscribers than any other English-language paper in the world, has not sought a deal to avert the strike. The strikers will not slay the Grey Lady, but could fire up other disgruntled workers in the troubled industry. Harry and Meghan take on the firm again. Life in Britain's royal family is a dirty game, says Prince Harry. But it seems that he and his wife, Meghan Markle, cannot help but play it. On Thursday, more accusations are expected with the release of Harry and Meghan, a Netflix documentary series. In the six-episode series, the couple raise the stakes of their public relations war with Britain's royal family, accusing the palace of leaking and planting stories in the media. They also allege that the firm mistreated Miss Markle because of her race. The trailer has already caused a furore, with some alleging that it portrays the couple as being more harangued by the paparazzi than they actually were. Still, the couple hoped to win hearts and minds. That quest will be helped by a recent controversy about Prince William's godmother, who resigned from royal duties after news that she had repeatedly asked a black British guest where she was really from. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which set of Roman biographies was written by Suetonius? Wednesday. Which modern Egyptian city is on the site of the ancient capital of Thebes? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jean Sibelius, who was born on this day in 1865. Music begins where the possibilities of language end. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.